Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a gorgeous fall day here today. So like record podcasts and I'm out of here to go ride a horse. <laughs> I know. Oh, isn't the fall weather the best? It's just That's my that, absolute favorite. Oh, it's just the cooler evenings that no summer heat and uh, your horses are sprightly, right? They're, they're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to say it. <laughs> yeah. So today we are talking about HYPP or hyperkalemic periodic paralysis. Yes, I'm glad you said the long name, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only time we'll mention the the, the full name. We'll just mention HYPP. A, a great place to start, you know, for the listeners is obvious. Obviously, what is HYPP? Yeah, it's probably something they've like roundabout heard about. Um, if they're a part of some breeds or disciplines that it's more likely in their genetics, then they probably know a little bit more about it. But it's an inherited muscle disease that actually traces back to a single horse. His name was Impressive. He's a quarter horse. And he had what's called a point mutation. So there was a single gene that he just had this interesting mutation, and he passed that down. And the thing about it was he was a very successful horse. He was a very successful sire. And they didn't realize until multiple generations later that he had passed down this mutation. So it actually is pretty widespread in, you know, quarter horses and then any breed that's infused quarter horse blood. So your different stock type breeds, things like that. There is a possibility that they may have this genetic disorder. And it's what's called a dominant trait. So sometimes you'll actually see like horses for sale on Facebook and it'll say something like N slash N or N slash H. That's actually talking about HYPP and that's telling you how many copies of the gene it has. So each horse can have two copies. N would be negative, H would be positive. So if a horse was NN, it means it doesn't have HYPP. If it is NH, it has a single copy of the gene, so it would have a 50% chance of passing that trait along to its offspring. If it is HH, it means it has two copies, and if you bred that horse, it would have 100% chance of passing down that trait. Now, I will say, like, because there are these genetic tests, there's been an effort to breed away from it. That doesn't mean if your horse has impressive somewhere back in its bloodlines that it automatically has HYPP. If you don't know, it's something that can be really easily tested for with an inexpensive hair test, which is great because it gives us the information to manage them appropriately. And that management is all about the diet. So yeah, the the origins and impressive and how he passed that on to, to thousands of foals that went on to have successful careers. So, you know, knowing the breeding industry how those lineages just explode when they're champions like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what are some of the, you know, the signs and symptoms of HYPP? And, and, we'll, and we'll get into why we're talking about this, especially when it gets to nutrition. So critical, the horse's diet with HYPP. But, you know, what, what should some owners look for, uh, you know, an HYPP horse? Sure. So what's actually happening because of this mutation is that there's these channels, they're called sodium channels, and you can think of them like pores into the muscle membrane. And when there are certain conditions, they get kind of leaky. 
And when they're leaky like that, the horse can't control contraction of its muscle fibers. So they actually start to contract involuntarily. They're overly excitable. And this basically, you know, talk about periodic paralysis as part of the name of this. They have these muscle tremors and part of it is it's paralyzing muscles. So it's going to be symptoms such as muscle tremors. So the horse can be shaking or trembling in severe cases, they'd even collapse. The other thing that can happen is a lot of times they'll have really loud breathing during attack. And the reason for this is actually the muscles in their upper airway are partly paralyzed. So they have this kind of roaring effect that they can be really loud. So the main thing you would look for is a horse that's shaking, trembling. It's not the same as a horse that ties up. And I think sometimes they can be confused. The interesting thing is Horses experiencing HYPP don't appear really to be in pain, whereas a horse who's tying up is very painful and they'll be sore afterwards, whereas the horse with HYPP will experience this, you know, attack and then they'll be fine afterwards unless it's so severe that they actually, you know, in severe cases, they can actually collapse and die. But in a less severe case, they'll be trembling, they'll all this, and then all of a sudden they'll be over and the horse will be okay. Yeah, it's all great points. Yeah, because usually tying up's after exercise where HYPP is, is more, could be stress triggered, but there could be you know, multiple things causing it. Yep. The main times you would see it would be around a meal or like you mentioned, stress does appear to be part of it and anything can be stressful. It could be trailering. It could be stall rest. It could be, you took a horse's best buddy away. I mean, horses can be stressed out yes. by anything, but yeah, tie, tying up, you will see, during a period of work, whereas HYPP doesn't generally tend to happen around work. All great. Great setting this all up. Now the big question is, because it is so critical, how does this affect their diet? Yep. So we mentioned those sodium channels get leaky and what causes them to get leaky is high potassium. So a normal horse, I mean, there's lots of potassium in the diet, it's, it's impossible to create a potassium deficiency in a horse just based on the ingredients that we normally feed them. Normal horses are fine with extra potassium in their diet above their nutrient requirement. Horses with HYPP, because of this mutation, are very sensitive to potassium. So when they have a spike in blood potassium, it causes those sodium ion channels to become leaky. And then you have that you know, HYPP tremor event. So when we're thinking about the diet, what we're really focused on is potassium and we're looking at the total diet. So our goal is to have the total diet less than 1.5% potassium with the caveat also that there's some research that shows if you look at an individual meal, that keeping individual meals less than 33 grams of potassium is also a factor in not having those big spikes in blood potassium that cause these events. So if we want to keep it below and, you know, one and a half percent of the total diet potassium, you know, I, owners obviously, okay, I got to reduce potassium in the diet. So which feeds would be high in potassium, you know, so, I, you know, I'm thinking obviously forage, but also commercial feeds, you know, which ones would, would, uh, should owners try to avoid? Yeah, that's a good question. So starting first with the forage, that's where the vast majority of potassium comes from in horses diets. And I look at a lot of hay tests. So one general rule of thumb is that we're just going to avoid legumes completely for horses with HYPP, whether they have one or two copies of the disorder. 
I should say that in general, horses with one copy of the gene tend to be less affected, but both can be. And what's kind of crazy is that a horse could be fine for some duration of time and it just shows up out of the blue. So just because you have a horse who's maybe middle-aged and you've never experienced this, it doesn't mean that if they are positive for that genetic mutation that they couldn't experience it. But anyways, back to forages. So we're going to avoid legumes. That's going to be your alfalfa and your clover. And then unfortunately, just choosing a grass hay isn't enough to ensure that your potassium is going to be low enough. So it really varies greatly depending on growing conditions, the actual field, all of those things. So strongly recommend when we have a horse with HYPP that we source a grass type hay and then we go ahead and test it because I commonly see grass hays that are above that one and a half percent potassium. And it really doesn't matter what else we do for our concentrate if they're already consuming a lot of potassium from their forage. That's the number one thing we want to control because again, it's the bulk of their diet. They're going to eat 20 some pounds of hay per day. So that's why we're so focused on that. Then, you know, if you read articles and stuff, you'll get a list of ingredients like molasses can be high potassium, uh, soybean meal. You know, there's these different focuses on ingredients, but what I always recommend is we just look at the commercial blend because it's not so much that we specifically need to avoid soybean meal because it can have higher potassium. It's how much potassium is in the total blend. So I I don't recommend we get hyper-focused on individual ingredients. Although the feeds that I generally recommend don't have molasses on them just because when I'm looking at, you know, the total blend of the diet, there's a lot of base potassium and ingredients. Typically the feeds that have added molasses tend to go over that edge, at least from our feed line. So we're looking at the tag and we're going to want to look for something that's lower in potassium. So Calmanese, for example, is a feed that I recommend a lot. It's lower in potassium. Another thing is also keeping in mind the feeding rate. So our goal is to stay under one and a half percent. Essential K, so our ration balancer, it is right at that 1.5% potassium. And you might think, ah, I'm not sure I want to do that because I know the total diet has to be below that. But then you think about the meal size, we're only feeding a pound of it. So if we multiply that one and a half percent potassium by that one pound per meal. Sometimes a horse might even only eat a half pound, but one pound of essential K would provide 6.8 grams of potassium in that given meal. So that's way below our threshold of 33 grams per meal. So that is the other part we do have to keep in mind. It's not just about the percentage. So overall, I mean, my recommendation is to work with a nutritionist and find a feed commercial blend instead of trying to identify ingredients. You know, some people will feed just straight oats because oats are lower in potassium. That's not a balanced diet. It might address the HYPP part of the equation, but it certainly doesn't overall support the health of the horse. So I'd mostly not think about the individual ingredients, but more look at the blend, make sure that percentage-wise it makes sense, and just the amount you're feeding per meal. So let's say you have a really hard keeper you need to feed it a lot, it may be even a feed that's low potassium might get us over that 33 gram threshold just if you have to feed really large meals. Instead, we just break it up into multiple small meals that's going to keep our blood potassium from peaking. So kind of different ways to think about that. The great, yeah, great recommendations. I, I, I follow in your train of thought. So my next question would be, you know, what if I'm feeding a vitamin mineral mix, you know, any type of supplement, would that be a concern or could it be 
you know, does it have more than the 33 grams of potassium? Yeah, I would say it's probably unusual to find just like a vitamin mineral like a top dress type product that has more than that. Cause you think about it, like typically you're only feeding 50 to hundred grams of a product like that. It's probably not going to have 33 grams of potassium in the mix. However, you do want to be cautious if you're already feeding a balanced feed and maybe you're adding supplements on top of it, it would be possible to put us kind of over that threshold, depending on what supplements you might be adding to the mix. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Generally, you know, I guess I can only speak for tribute, but commercial products would be designed to not require additional supplementation like that. So when we're formulating, we don't really have it in our mind. The different things people might be adding could put you over the edge there for that type of horse. That's good. That's good. Now, my my other question would be grazing horses. You know, should we be concerned about limiting intake since obviously forage is, is the main source of potassium? Would that be in concern with an HYPP horse? I would say it'd be pretty rare because if you think about it, your grasses contain a lot of moisture content. So that's diluting the potassium in them. You know, I will say in a horse who has two copies of that gene, it may be possible that pasture could be too much. I mean, we we don't know until you experience that. You know, one thing I would keep in mind is that even though there's a lot of water content, if you have a pasture that has a lot of legumes in it, you know, some people do plant alfalfa for grazing, particularly you have clovers come in, especially if you have low fertility in your soil. That is an example of a situation where you could have issues, even though it's lush and it has a lot of water in it, you could still end up with too much potassium that way. You know, I will say I do have horses, particularly they would be have two copies of the gene that we put completely on a complete feed and we feed them like they're a senior horse because Either the owner is unable or the horse is so sensitive that finding low enough potassium forage consistently is challenging. Or maybe you're in a boarding situation where it's different hay every three weeks and you're not going to be able to test that. It's going to be gone before the test comes back. Sometimes we do feed them specifically calm and easy as a complete feed. Um, So, you know, you're going to feed probably 15 to 18, sometimes even 20 pounds per day if it's a really hard keeper, split up over multiple meals. But the reason for that is we're going to keep that potassium consistent and we know what it is. So sometimes if we don't have control over the forage, obviously we want long stem forage in the horse's diet. But when we're balancing health on a horse who is very sensitive, it may be an option that you could look at. All solid advice, you know, for anybody with, with an HYPP horse or, or those that, that eventually will get one if, if they're getting those quarter horse lineages. Do you have any other tips, you know, for these horses, these HYPP horses? Sure. So number one, definitely, if you're not sure, go ahead and test. I think it's inexpensive and you can't manage what you don't understand. So that gives us that baseline. We know how that horse needs to be managed. The other thing I would say is, you know, we did mention earlier is sometimes it is triggered by stress. So keeping a lower NSC type product as part of their diet, rather than relying on something like oats, even though the oats would be lower potassium, lower NSC just kind of makes for a less anxious horse in a lot of cases. So it could help with that stress component. Um, That's actually something we talked about a little bit in a previous podcast, if you want to go back and listen to it. But thinking about the biggest part is potassium but certainly managing their stress levels through diet, through management, those things will decrease the likelihood that your horse may have an HYPP event. It's all great. And, and 
it, it's so funny, you know, doing these podcasts week in, week out, and I'm like, yeah, call Tributes team, get a nutritionist on the phone to get these get this advice and help that that you may need. So again, that is freely available to you. Look at the show notes. There's a link where you can contact the tribute team and they will help you with any issue, you know, dietary issue with your horse. So so please feel free to to reach out to the team. And again, thank you so much for sharing these episodes. We're seeing incredible growth of this podcast. Thank you for the iTunes reviews. That's helping us get more circulation. But again, you know, Nicole and I are doing this for, you know, we just want our horses healthy and happy. I mean, that's why both of us jumped and got our PhDs just studying these animals. We love them so much like you love them. So Thank you so much for sharing this and and stay tuned for next week. Yeah. Thank you guys.